Take it away, Derek. What's your question? Why do you guys talk about comics so much? Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? 18 years. <laughs> Toothbrush is still fresh. Did they have sex? Because, I mean, she Hulk, you know. Damn it, Tony. We went an entire episode without mentioning Maggot, and then you ruined it. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Batman's got his little fishbowl on his head, but <laughs> Superman doesn't. Cyclops was right. Except when he was wrong. Master Bruce, you are calm. I'm going to silently judge all of you. Shut up, beast. <laughs> Shut up. Like I've read it so many times, you know, it pretty much just crumbled in my hands. Come on, old chum. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read him? See, I didn't hate Hellcat until you made me read this miniseries. It was just a joke, but you made it real, Justin. No. You made it real. I, I prefer my Dazzler singing, like, Creedence Clearwater Revival songs at Australian bars. Titty discs. And <laughs> That's what to be known as from now on. Like, I'm going to go <laughs> into the Marvel Wikipedia and edit Whatever it is. <laughs> the worst titty discs. <laughs> get better than that. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Hey guys, welcome back to another titan-rific, mad-tastic episode of Fanholes Comics, motherfucker! Do you read them? Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight. And joining me tonight are three, count them, three of my fellow Fanholes. Why don't you guys give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight. Hey, it's Mike, and when Thanos rains, Thanos pours. Hey, it's Stupid Sexy Justin. Hey, guys, it's Tony, and dread it, run from it. The plan for tonight, we are actually kind of celebrating the motion picture release of Avengers Infinity War, so the thought is that you will be headed to the movie theaters, rushing, running, along with the Winter Soldier, Black Panther, and Get This Man a Shield right behind them to the movie theaters to watch Avengers Infinity War. But we were trying to think of what we might want to uh, check out in terms of comics to kind of have a tie-in episode to the film. And Justin had suggested we check out the ongoing Thanos series uh, written by Jeff Lemire and has uh, pencils by Mike Diodato and uh, Herman Peralta. So we decided we would check that out. And, you know, since everything today is kind of decompressed and written for the trade, we're actually covering the first dozen issues of Thanos. And so that's kind of a, almost a complete story arc, a year's worth of stories. And uh, what I did basically was, I'm, I'm kind of cheating, I, I took all the canned previously on Thanos synopses and made my own little synopsis for anybody who wants to follow along and find out what's going on. So what I'll do is I'll read that, and then I guess we'll get to discussing specifics on the ongoing Thanos series from Marvel Comics. After killing the usurper, Corvus Glaive, Thanos resumes his rightful seat as head of the Black Quadrant, and those who rule must contend with discontents. Unbeknownst to Thanos, his son and one-time victim, Thane, has recruited a group of powerful individuals with just one goal, to kill Thanos. They are not the first to try, but they may be the last. In the entire galaxy, only Thane and his mysterious companion know that Thanos is dying. 
Thanos leaves his throne empty to ransack centers of healing across the galaxy. The destroyer of worlds is himself being destroyed by sickness. Desperate for a cure, Thanos finally approaches his father, Mentor, in the scientific haven of Gilgrath. But when Mentor provides no assistance, Thanos kills him. Immediately afterward, the Imperial Guard of the Shi'ar arrive with an unlikely mission to place Thanos under arrest. Thanos has rampaged across the galaxy looking for a cure, unstoppable until he was attacked by the entire Shi'ar Imperial Guard as Thanos faces those foes and the disease destroying his body, his own son Thane also seeks to kill him. But this is far from the first time that Thane has sought to seize power and exact his ultimate revenge. Thanos has been imprisoned. Though the elite Shi'ar Imperial Guard claim this victory, it would have been impossible if not for the fact that the Mad Titan is dying. His weakened state and manic search for a cure have left him more vulnerable than ever, and the Shi'ar are not the only ones in the galaxy hoping to take advantage. Thanos' son Thane has formed an alliance with Star Fox, Nebula, and Trico Slatterus, a.k.a. the Champion of the Universe, people with no common cause except to kill Thanos. But only Thane knows the true architect of these master plans, Mistress Death. Thanos may be dying, but he is certainly not going quietly. He feigns weakness to lure the prison warden into his cell to boast over him, and then summarily rips off the warden's arm and uses it to escape the cell. After dismembering a number of prison guards, Thanos faces the entire contingent of prison guards. Meanwhile, Star Fox distracts Terax of Titan, so Nebula, the champion, and Thane can secure a secret weapon, a phoenix egg held within the vaults of Terax's private ship. Thanos defeats his imprisoners and returns home to the Black Quadrant. Thane is shot and killed by Nebula when it is revealed he used his allies to gain access to the phoenix egg. However, Thane's death fits into Mistress Death's grand plans for Thane as the Phoenix Egg resurrects him with the power of the Phoenix Force. Using the Phoenix Force, Thane blasts Thanos with all of the rage and power at his disposal, then takes his father's throne, cursing Thanos to live out his remaining days as a mortal. The Mad Titan is no more. The now-mortal Thanos is still dying, but again he will not go gently into that good night. Continuing to eke on, Thanos feeds on wild mugrat flesh from a child and a mother mugrat. After his campfire goes out, he is nearly done in by local scavengers when Star Fox, Champion, and Nebula recruit Thanos as he is the one man who will know how to defeat King Thane. Though weakened and now mortal, Thanos partners with his would-be assassins in order to stop Thane from destroying the universe. Their quest for something powerful enough to combat the Phoenix Force has led them to the far reaches of space within a black hole to enter the God Quarry and the Three Sisters of Eternity, the place where old gods go to die. Thanos and Star Fox, now in the God Quarry, claimed power great enough to combat the Phoenix Force, but it was Thanos that was claimed by the quarry. Now he must prove himself or die. Oh, and Champion and Nebula bump fuzzies in the meantime, waiting for Thanos and Star Fox, and Thane gets the drop on them in their starship. The God Quarry tempts Thanos with a life of good, leading the Avengers against villains like the Abomination. 
Thanos soon breaks free of his wonderful life and emerges from the God Quarry victorious and empowered. Thanos now intends to teach his son some respect. Thanos fights Thane, destroying the planet they occupy in the process. Nebula and Champion appear to have survived the planet's destruction by putting on spacesuits. Father and son seem to be an equal match of strength and skill. Whoever emerges victorious from this battle will shape the future of an entire universe. Thanos, Thane, Nebula, and Champion fall back into the God Quarry, encountering both the left-behind Star Fox and the Three Sisters of Eternity. The sisters strip Thane of the Phoenix Force, and Thanos throws his embarrassment of a son into the God Quarry forever. Mistress Death suggests her plan all along was to rebuild Thanos into a being worthy of her love, but Thanos is having none of it and rejects her. The sisters eject Mistress Death from the God Quarry, and Thanos leaves his former allies behind, returning to the Black Quadrant once more to rule. Thanos has returned. And that basically is the hopefully quick and dirty synopsis of the last year's worth of Thanos comics. So I guess now's the time when I can open it up to you guys, and I, I guess since Justin was the one who suggested this, like, why, why don't you kind of tell us, you know, how you came to be, you know, reading the series? Well, I've always been interested in the character Thanos, and when I saw this is going to be written by Jeff Lemire and illustrated by Mike Diodato Jr., I knew that I had to check it out because, as you guys know, like, I'm a big fan of Mike Diodato Jr.'s artwork, and that's that's kind of how I came to it. And I think I told you guys this, but Thanos was one of, like, two or three books that I looked forward to reading month to month that Marvel was producing because I'm kind of lukewarm or not so crazy about some of their other books. But it's like Thanos, Daredevil, and Uncanny Avengers. Like, those were my books. Those were my Marvel books that I was looking forward to every month to, to read. Everything else, I was just kind of like, now, nah, you know, I'll read it when I get around to it. I was really kind of interested in the story. And, you know, they've, they've did a lot of things with Thanos over the years. He, he's been broken down before. And I thought, oh, they're just going to kind of recycle him being broken down and, you know, and whatnot. But it kind of – it took an interesting turn. And another thing I liked about it – well, I guess two other things is I've always liked the character Star Fox. I, I, I don't know. I always thought he was an interesting character. And the fact that Thanos' son, Thane, was going to be in this kind of was interesting to me too because I thought I thought that was a character with a lot of potential. And I didn't want him to become the next Hope Summers. You know, it's like Hope was just created and she was just kind of dangled from event to event. It's like, oh, she's really important. We got to protect her. And then when her moment came, it's like she just kind of faded into the background. And now now whenever she has like a cameo in the Jean Grey ongoing, I'm like, oh, cool. Like somebody remembered Hope Summers exists. So I, I was just happy that someone at Marvel – remembered thing and that you know he's, he's not going to be relegated to like uh you know hey remember we remember this guy kind of cameo but yeah that, that's kind of how i came to the book and it kind of i don't know i was thinking about this when i was rereading these issues um it kind of made me think of like when the infinity gauntlet miniseries came out and i was like seven or eight years old and i was learning about thanos and then i was going back and reading old issues of like you know captain marvel or whatnot and then you know, like uh, on the playground, we would all, you know, play pretend superheroes. And 
Infinity Gauntlet changed that because before it's like, you know, we, we would all call out who we would want to play as, you know, it's like, I'm, you know, I'm going to be Magneto or somebody and, you know, whatnot. But then it's like Infinity Gauntlet came out and then suddenly it's like, you know, it, like like my buddy of mine, he'd be like, "I'm Silver Surfer with the Infinity Gauntlet," and we'd be like, "You can't do that." <laughs> He's like, "Well, why not? I got the Infinity Gauntlet." It's like because like if, if you have the Infinity Gauntlet, like it's not fair. Like we can't stop you. He's like, "You know, that's the point." I was like, "Well, it's, that's not going to be fun playing with you." So Infinity Gauntlet like changed, you know, superhero like pretend playtime, and that it also like brought about many like arguments and fights where it's like you can't have the infinity gauntlet or we would be like playing out some elaborate story you know on the playground and it would be like uh i'm losing oh look i found the infinity gauntlet you guys are dead we'd be like no you can't do that it's like i am thor with the belt of power with the odin (laughs) force with the infinity gauntlet and i've got a cherry yo you know yeah oh that's awesome yeah what about what about you, Mike? Were you reading this like ongoing, or or did you kind of binge this like I did for the podcast? I just binged it, and uh, like I don't know, like I know you like Jeff Lemire's like work, and I know Justin likes it, but I've always been kind of lukewarm with him, and I feel like he gets stuck with a lot of stuff that like got like shoveled onto him by mm-hmm. like like you know like leftover stuff. Justin was mentioning Thane, and like. I was kind of figuring, I don't know, like, I feel like Thane was, like, one of the weaker parts of, like, Infinity, where, you know, they kind of introduce him as Thanos' like, illegitimate son, and obviously Thanos has a lot of illegitimate children, but he was special because, well, he was, like, part inhuman, was it? Yeah. Okay, so, like, right there, I felt like that that was, like, a, you know, part of Marvel's directive to introduce more inhuman stuff, like, Mm -hmm. you know... Uh, into the universe generally because they were pushing the Inhumans really heavily. So I I felt like, you know, Thane was just like sort of a, a, I don't know, not a character, but just a piece of the plot that like they just shoved in there. And then, you know, yeah, I was kind of wondering where he'd end up after this, like much like Justin said with Hope Summers. And he ends up here and I don't know, I I feel like... He he was in the Black Vortex crossover, if you remember that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I remember it. I don't remember what happened. It was that the one where all the original X Men got their new powers or whatever. Yeah, or? That that, okay. that was like the big like Guardians, Guardians you know. Thing. Yeah, yeah, okay. You know, because Bendis was writing both, and he's like, "I'm going to cross over with myself." Yeah, I don't know, but in whatever case, what I'm getting at is like whatever I thought Thane might do. Like I, I don't know. I I, I feel like they could have done something more original with him than just made him a bad like a a bad guy. Well, he's not really a bad guy, but like an antagonist because clearly Thanos is the protagonist of the the book named Thanos. You know, so like I I, I don't know like a, whatever it was like he was on some level like I think it's kind of you know clever and you know it, it, it's a good way for death to like actually have some I, I don't know leverage over Thanos but I don't know if whatever way I thought Thane would go like this is not like satisfying to me I guess another part of that is like he gets like he cracks open a phoenix egg and he gets like a part of the phoenix force and 
I don't know, ever since like X-Men versus like even probably before that X-Men versus Avengers and even before that, it's like, you know, the Phoenix used to be this epic, super epic thing that only got brought out in like extreme circumstances and like, you know, at the last moment. But now it feels like, you know, the Phoenix Force is like coming back every single month. So yeah. like I was just I was just kind of like, oh, we got the Phoenix Force. Like, what a surprise. Like, I don't know. It was supposed to be this heavy moment. And I was just like, eh, whatever. Well, I guess I guess that goes back to what Justin was talking about with the whole playground interaction. It's like, how you know, what do you do to fight the Infinity Gauntlet? You bring up something else, like, oh, well, I've got the Phoenix Force. Like, I've got like twelve Beyonders up my asshole. So there, (laughs) you know, like, like, and it's like, does that dilute the importance of the original story like that that's a solid criticism you know i mean i i can see that like i wasn't i wasn't like heavily offended that that he used a phoenix force egg or whatever but like i could see why you know you kind of might go oh well hey that's you know that that dilutes the 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 importance of the original saga but to be to be honest though I mean, I think the X-Men did a pretty fucking good job of diluting the Phoenix all on their own. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's nothing new, but it's just, it's on top of a pile of, you know, I've seen this before, basically, so, but, uh, I, I was also going to say, like, like Thanos, like, I know he's, like, you know, a, a cosmic-level threat or whatever, but, like, he doesn't, he didn't really, he didn't have the Infinity Gauntlet in this, so I was kind of, like, I don't know, can Thanos on his own stand up to someone with the Phoenix Force? Like, I don't know, like, that that seems almost like a mismatch to me. I don't think so. I mean, I mean, Thanos on his own fought with people like Thor, and, and you know, he, he always had master machinations with soul gems, but that was more to... I to, guess so, like, I, you know, I... The whole universe. I just, you know, I, I guess I think of, like, the original, like, you know, appearances of the Phoenix and like, you know, Gene, like beating up Fire Lord. And, you know, uh, I think in, in some what if she beats the crap out of Terax or something and like stuff like that. But uh, I don't know. I guess Thanos is, is in a different league than them. But still, I, I don't know. It just seemed odd to me. I, I just kind of thought maybe Thane didn't get the full power of the Phoenix Force and then when Thanos came out of the god uh, quarry, like whatever power up he got was made him better than he was originally. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, yeah because, I mean, because the idea was they took away whatever power Thane originally had at the beginning of the series, the sisters, right? And then and then they imbued Thanos with that. So I mean, it's not like him fighting with Thane with the it, it basically. I I guess to to put it simply they they both had power-ups when they were fighting one another so i mean if if the problem is thanos all on his own without the infinity gauntlet can't stand up to the phoenix force well he wasn't all on his own he had the 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 thane sisters three power-up too so there's there's that for that final fight at at any rate was that was that though a power-up i thought it just kind of restored him to his like full health or whatever i I took it it as i took it as a power-up i mean i get what you're saying like he was on death's door and and that you know but i don't i don't think it was a power-up in the sense that like you know how like neurons like all right i'll i'll restore lex Luthor, and now he's not 
you know, fat. He he's got his hand back, but he's still. I, I, I got the idea that like Thanos was bigger, badder, and better than ever before. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, like the way I took it was he was just restored to like his peak power or whatever, like whatever. I know, like obviously his power fluctuates because, you know, you've got in like Civil War Two where he gets beaten up by a bunch of like, you know, Avengers or whatever. And he uses guns like I don't know what the deal with that was, but like, I, I don't know. Like, the the way I got it was like, you know, like the sisters were like, you be, you're hurt and you've been a chump and. Here, you're not you're back to your original like, you know, Jim Starlin, not a chump power again. Like, okay, so Well, he, even when he was weakened, he could take on the all of the members of the uh Imperial Guard for quite a while. I mean, he did eventually lose, but I mean, he, you know, he held his own for like what, an issue and a half or something? Yeah. And I I'm, I'm sure I'm sure uh Derek is pretty happy that uh Gladiator got the big Final, uh, final punch. punch. Well, it's funny though yeah. if you read if you read some of the Starlin stuff, like Gladiator's kind of jumping there. So I mean, it's it. I guess it's tit for tat. Like Gladiator's kind of one for one. Like in, the, <laughs> in, in if you're if you're reading some of the surrounding materials and stuff, but it, it seems like this is supposed to be current canonized Marvel, whereas I think some of that Jim Starlin stuff is maybe for the older fans who remember the the starlin stuff but i don't know how how you know technically official it can be considered because there's so much reality wiping in those that by the time all said and done it's almost like the story never happened in the first place you know depending on what what writers run with with what outcomes those stories have i guess I was just going to add one last thing. Like, like, like I said, like, I feel like Jeff Lemire in his work for Marvel, he gets saddled with like a lot of like, especially in humans related stuff. Cause like his X-Men run was kind of <laughs> like that, where it's like, I got to deal with all this inhuman shit. They want me to put push. <laughs> so like, yeah, when I saw like Thane was going to be a main part of this series, I was like, I feel like someone told him to include Thane or something. Well, what about you, Tony? Like, like, what is your take on this, and and sort of how are you, how are you coming to the series? I, I am aware of Thanos before the Infinity, uh, I don't know what Gauntlet War, Destruction, whatever the uh, multiple Infinity series that they did in the '90s. Uh, Thanos was a big deal before that. I was not as familiar with him until the Infinity Gauntlet. It, he, he nowadays, was a, he was a big deal because he had a Thanos copter and Spidey Superstore. <laughs> <laughs> Right, <laughs> but I mean, you know, I mean, he was a well-known villain. Yeah. But yeah. the the Infinity Gauntlet really did cement him as a big badass. Uh, they bring it up many times in this uh, these twelve issues where he kills half the universe. You know, yeah. that was one of the things in Infinity Gauntlet. You know, that's nothing to sneeze at. Uh, Pip the Trolls little uh, yeah thing yeah. is is something that like really drives it home. You know, he he is a definitely a force to be reckoned with. When I was coming into this, I was like. Very trepidatious because Thanos, of course, is a villain. And I've read uh, common books about the Joker as the main character. And I was like, let's see how they pull this off. In all honesty, when I was reading this, despite what uh, Mike said about Thanos being kind of the protagonist, I never felt bad for Thanos. I never like had like anything of empathy for him because he is totally terrible. Joker is at least insane. Like, sometimes you can at least argue he doesn't know what he's doing. Thanos, many times in this series, says, 
I'm a monster. I kill things. That's what I do. And I don't really see him as a protagonist. I think I see him as the focal point of the series. But even unlike Darth Vader, despite the prequel sucking, you're like, okay, well, he was a little kid once. You have this little spiel. Like, again, they have these interviews with various people who've encountered the uh, massacre on Titan. And even the guy was like, you know, he was a boy, but he was just like a boy. And then he turned to a monster. And like, yeah, he got picked on. He got bullied. Okay, tough shit. You don't turn into a monster who kills people. There was like, you know, a genesis from that. There was always something wrong with Thanos. He's not a nice guy in any way, shape, or form. I found myself more drawn to Nebula, um, you know, the champion, and of course, Star Fox. Star Fox is actually really good in this series. Yeah, yeah. He's, very, he's very snarky. He's, he's, he's totally himself. Very much a likable character. And even Thane, originally, you kind of empathize with him because he gets his ass handed to him and when he gets the power like it, it is actually more darth vader than darth vader you know he's like i have absolute power i don't know what the fuck to do with this shit let's just wreck wreck the house and with thanos despite it being his book he seemed more like a plot mcguffin is like we gotta make you know thanos the badass it's not that it didn't work for me i just felt you never really got to understand thanos is like when he's killing like giant mutant rats and stuff. Is like, oh, okay, the bad guy's dying. He's a really terrible person. Mentor, you know the the three like rebels who are like you know trying to like take him down. You know the the coalition under Thane, they want to take him down. And nobody says, well, we want you to live. The only reason that the other three even help him is because Thane has gone a little bit nuts in the fucking head, and they're like slightly lesser of two evils you know it's like hitler and hitler who went to art school i guess we'll go with that guy and i don't know it's just like it's not a bad comic i mean it reads well it goes fast it has like good pacing but i don't know what they were trying to do with this thanos comic i think this would have been a better one shot kind of thing and just had it more condensed because I don't understand how, like, what we're supposed to feel about the character Thanos besides he's evil, he's a badass, he kills people. Like, how long can you keep that going? I have read issue 13. That is interesting, but I won't talk about that because that starts a new arc. I don't get why you would want to read a comic about someone who's just fucking terrible. Well, I mean, we, we, I mean, if you want to, we can talk about issue 13. I don't have any problem with that, but I was just synopsizing 1 through 12 because I figured it was a... It, it was a complete story and everything. The, the one thing I, I just wanted to comment on based on Tony's comments was I, I feel like these 12 issues have a, a similar um, design to how Avengers versus X-Men went, where you had like the first six issues went in a certain direction, and then they totally pull like this weird role reversal for the, the final six issues. And Basically, like to me, I and this is kind of you know an homage to to Mike's rival fusion, you know, uh, kind of idiom or whatever. But like to me, I was like, this is rival fusion reversal because it's like they team up, you know, Nebula and Star Fox and Champion team up with Thane to fight Thanos, and then midway through, Thane becomes the villain essentially, and then they have to team up with Thanos to fight. Fame, you know, so I'm sitting there kind of going, oh, well, now everything's kind of turned upside down for the second half of the story, oh. basically. 
I just wanted to add in response to something Tony said. Uh, there, there was a point I actually felt bad for Thanos uh, in, in this series, and you can tell by my avatar is like when he's, <laughs> you know, when the fire goes out, and he's like, "Oh no!" and he's trying to like get the fire started again, and then like it cuts to like the next morning, and he's all huddled up, and he's like, "I'm cold." Like <laughs> I don't know. I was like, "Oh, am I feeling bad for Thanos here?" Um. <laughs> I mean, like going on Tony's thoughts, like if you want to read like a Thanos related comic that will kind of make you disgusted and you're like, why am I reading this? Like read or oh, Jason, I guess maybe Jason Aaron's. Yeah, I was going to say read or maybe don't read the Jason Aaron Thanos Rising because that's a really like violent to the extreme kind of thing where he's just like it's like baby Thanos up to like, you know, adult mad titan thanos but he's just like killing people left and right and dissecting them and i'm just like this is bad you know what's funny about that though it's like there does seem to be something in the culture where people are i I don't know that you're necessarily supposed to have empathy for thanos but there is this bizarre fascination with people whether it's real life serial killers or crazy fucks like Charles Manson or whatever. And 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 what I was thinking of when you brought up the Jason Aaron thing is, you know, a character like Hannibal Lecter. Like Hannibal mm. is quote unquote the titular character of fucking Hannibal, right? Like he, he he is actually popular with people. He's popular character, even though he eats fucking people and kills them right but but there's there's that weird twisted sense of you know the the whole dr doom thing where people you know take solace in whatever his his personal code is you know hannibal has a personal code too and then hey victor does love his mom right right but i think (laughs) i think in some ways thanos has depending on who's writing him thanos has his own personal code and like i i think jeff lemire does a good job of writing Thanos. I mean, obviously, kind of what Mike is saying is true. He is saddled with things that took place in, you know, Hickman's run in Infinity and and, and other events that, you know, Marvel has had Thanos involved in outside of, say, uh, Jim Starlin's pen. You know, like, I I, I do... I'm one of those guys where I kind of feel like every time Jim Starlin writes Thanos. It's the quote unquote real Thanos, you know? And, and I do tend to get kind of like, oh, is this just, you know, some poser, you know, some Doombot Thanos, you know, whether it's, you know, Dan Jurgens using him to fight with Thor in his own run on Thor, or, you know, it, I, I feel like, you know, in some sense, like Peter David kind of solidified that for me, you know, because Peter David had Thanos show up in his Captain Marvel run, and then he was like, oh, well, those times I got bitch-smacked by Kazar and Thor, oh, that wasn't me. Like, that was not the real Thanos, you know, and those kind of things. So it does plant, like, for me, it does, I I guess, this book is probably tailor-written to someone like me who's a big Thanos fanboy, and not, not only am I fascinated with the character, but I do take a certain sense of, of satisfaction in seeing him triumphant over like certain groups of people and and it's not so much like oh I'm all about the the bizarre serial killing or, or patricide or you know whatever kind of nefarious nasty stuff that Thanos is involved in but there is kind of a sense of you know like you're watching a heist movie or or, or something like that it's like it's not like necessarily you know 
when you're watching The Sopranos, like they're they're great human beings, but you do you do get embroiled in their machinations and their day to day existence, and you know, in that sense, I mean, I was you know, like like what you were saying, Tony. I mean, I'm I was definitely entertained by reading the twelve issue run. I I think for my criticisms, like, and and they're not they're not large or anything, but. The, the, for me, like, the, the one thing I kind of disliked, and it's the first time I think, I don't know, I don't know if Lemire has done this before in other works, but, like, it feels like an editorial thing. Like, there are these weird, like, omniscient narrator captions that crop up every once in a while. And you don't know who they are. Like, who is it? I mean, it's a narrator, but who is the narrator? It, it, it's no one. It's omniscient, and it's annoying because it doesn't happen consistently. And, like, I kind of wish it wasn't there because it, the, some of those narrations seem to it, it, spell it, it things out. Like, and... It came off like Uatu with a sense of humor. Well, it's like, it's like just, you know, it's almost like if Bendis ran out of talking heads for his comic he put in a narration box to like punctuate the point like where, where it's like wolverine has a look at cyclops and he thinks he's being dumb and then the omniscient narrator's like huh boy that guy sure is dumb you know and it's just like we know yeah, yeah, man yeah. like you you like, like like when thane's coming at the ship with uh champion and nebula Oh There's yeah, like yeah, yeah. Of like you know, like oh, they're fucked. Watch out, here comes they. Well, they're well, gonna get li- literally, literally, it's it's super repetitive. Where champions like, oh shit, here comes Thane, and then the omniscient narrator is like, oh shit, indeed, champion. Oh shit, <laughs> indeed. Uh, I'm like, that's maybe like, maybe it's Stan Lee. I I kind of feel <laughs> oh, like shit, indeed, if, champion. If, if if I had if. if I mean, this is pure speculation. I do not know the inner workings of how this was made, but I feel like Lemire did not write that. Like, that some editorial whack job stuck a couple of those omniscient narrator things into it just to, like, I don't know, like, like the same way, you know, people kvetch about, you know, Blade Runner having the, the Harrison Ford narration where they're like, that shouldn't have been there. Like, I, I kind of feel like some of that stuff in this was unnecessary. Like I can make up my own mind. Like I can determine things without some omniscient narrator going. I, I just heard champion say, Oh shit. I think I know he said, Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Or, or like, I, you know, I think I get that they're fucked or like, I think, you know, I think I get that. Like, you know, I don't know. Anyway, like that, that if I was going to level any kind of criticism against this, it would just be that like th- those felt forced and, and were unnecessary to me. I was going to say, I think the only thing that really took me kind of out of this actually was the Avengers portion, which I know that's your avatar because uh, Thanos is squashing Sam's head. But the thing that took me out of it was how quickly it was reconciled. Again, I understand Thanos is evil. This was supposed to be a trial. If you wanted to build that character like you're intending to do with a, a fucking series, you're like building this story. It is like 12 issues. It's going to be ongoing. It's on 13 already. And instead of building Thanos, where like he didn't have to be like, you know, maybe I could have been a hero in the universe. He could have been tormented by like, you know, is there a good me somewhere in the multiverse or some shit? Like what's going on? But like he figures it out lickety split and he's he's like done with it. And I'm just like it. You know, I, I, I like the idea if he's going to be the main character, if he would have got tortured a little bit more, just even one more issue. That would have been 
more interesting instead of like, nope, fooled me, I got you, slap. And it was just like it was it seemed too easily resolved for like the 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 big hype that the sisters, the witches, like built it up at. And if he came out of it stronger, that's fine. That's the whole point of the series. But it didn't seem like he was actually tested. He just seemed like it was like, got my powers back, you know. Maybe, maybe there's a balance because I, I think to me, maybe like I was trying to explain was I I have a strong sense of fan aura for Thanos. So so to me, like the, the, the way most confident, you know, if it's a Jim Starlin written thing, he would be described as a character that is outside the normal realms of order and chaos, you know, a, a character yeah. that is that is separate from everyone in the universe. So it, it, it's almost like that thing, like, see, th- this is stuff that I get into arguments with people about because I think Hannibal is awesome because he can open up the the gates of these you know, warthogs or pigs or whoever it was that all ate human flesh. But because Hannibal was such a fucking serial killer badass, all these pigs that normally would eat anyone who you stuck in front of them knew enough to fear him and fucking run around him and eat the other guy. And, you know, one of my buddies was always like, that's so dumb. And I'd be like, no, that's fucking awesome. Like, that's literally fan aura. Like, like... He li- his aura literally moves these man-eating beasts around him and focuses them on someone else, and and that's kind of how I see Thanos. It's like this is basically like you have to have all this comic nerd context, but basically Thanos is tested with the Black Mercy, and he's like, "Oh, you were gonna make me cry like Superman with a little kid and promises of happiness." It's like, no, dude, that's not going to work on me. I'm above that shit. Like, I reject your black mercy nonsense. And this is the easiest thing in the world for me to shut it off because I'm above such petty concerns. Now, you know, whether or not you think that's fan aura and is awesome or whether you think, you know, oh, well, that was that was too easy a win for Thanos. Like, I can't, you know, I, I, I can't judge your impression of of the art right like that's all subjective but but for me my subjective response to it is oh well thanos is just being badass you know like and and like i i can see why that you know maybe that's not good enough you know for for like mike or tony right so it's like i get that but like for me it was it was fine like i i just kind of took it as more you know this is kind of like you know, the Our Worlds at War for Superman or the never-ending battle for Superman. Like, those are not the greatest Superman stories. But if you're a fan of Superman, for the most part, you get enjoyment of watching him go up the video game tier-rung battle and bitch-slapping all these people along the way and going, See, look, Superman's fucking awesome. And it's like the same thing with this. It's like, you know, oh, you know, Thanos gets to the final level and it's just like, Sorry, level of Black Mercy, you're just not cool enough for Thanos, and that's basically like the only explanation I I really need, and I'm I'm kind of satisfied with it. But I think maybe in this case I'm an easy mark, and and you guys are not. You know, that's that's. I will say it was kind of nice when you know, after Thanos like slapped Sam's head together, he totally did kill like Dan Slot Spider Man, which I'm totally cool with. I, I thought that scene was hilarious, probably, because I just don't <laughs> like that configuration of the Avengers, so like, yeah. it made me laugh my ass off. 
But like, no, that was, it, 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 it was really funny. Uh, that, that, that once they were just, I'm firing my laser. <laughs> he just like yeah, kills them all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and the other thing too, though, is like, and, and I could be wrong on this, but is, is Abomination still dead in the current continuity? That I don't know. See, I don't like, know like, yet. I don't, I don't know if he is or isn't, but my last memory of Abomination was how, you know, Loeb had Rolk, like, shoot him in the head or whatever, and that was the end of Abomination. So, like, even on the, that first initial scene, I was like, something's not right. Like, I, I felt like Batman in the Perchance to Dream, which is also a take on the Black Mercy story, you know? And, and I just felt like something's not quite right, even before I saw Thanos leading the Avengers, which is, like, the thing that, like, you, you start flying red flags and going, eh, eh, does not compute does not compute but like even before that i kind of had that scratch in the back of my head like wait a minute this is like wrong dude abominations like should be dead and then once you find out it's all kind of like this hypothetical god quarry black mercy illusion you're like well oh well then that makes sense that abomination was involved in that because everything would be a little bit off you know, like everything would sort of stand out like a sore thumb and, and, and you, you know, you'd read backwards books and in dreams or whatever it is. Um, speak, speaking of things that are off, I guess, like hey, this is another, I guess, maybe not criticism, but like, I guess something that just felt odd to me. And that's like Corvus Glaive's part in this series. Like, I don't know, like they, they set him up as, you know, Thanos is away, so he has to run the Empire, and then he, like, develops a taste for it, I guess, and he just decides to be the, the like, boss. And then Thanos returns, like, you know, bitch slaps him and makes him kill himself. And I don't know, like, that wasn't, like, the impression of the guy I got from Infinity. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, have, have the Black Order been in anything since Infinity, aside from this? He, like, in Infinity, he's, like, you know, he has that, like, badass scene where he's in the, uh, you know, the inhuman court and like, you know, uh, I forgot, like Medusa's like threatening him and like, uh, you know, like, we'll kill you if you don't leave. And like Corvus Glaive is just like, you know, to all his guards, like, show this woman what we think of death and like all his guards commit suicide or whatever. And they're they're, like, everyone's like crapping their pants over him and stuff. Like, I don't know, like he, he came off as like, you know, fanatically loyal to Thanos and that. So like and, you know, and they they have a flashback later where they bring in what's his name? Um, Ebony Maw. And they, yeah, they well, show well I could see that. He 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 seemed like a dick. So. Yeah, like well, like he he's the one who like initially takes control of Thane and like puts Thane on the path he like goes on or whatever. But I feel like I was like, why don't why didn't they just lead with Ebony Maw? Like he was the one who was like treacherous and stuff. Like why wouldn't I feel like he would be a better fit for the one who would like usurp Thanos's empire or whatever. <clears throat> like I don't know, Corvus Glaive was just there to get like you know, jobbed basically. Like, I, I don't know. It, it seemed like an ill fit to me. No, I, I think that's fair. I mean, even, even if it is a, you know, I know you said it wasn't a criticism, but I mean, I, I think that's fair as a criticism. I mean, seeing the black order guys not be the minions of Thanos and, and having those inner squabbles seemed off to me. If you felt like the characters were set up well in infinity, which I, I think they were like, like I, I think, I typically come to new characters as, who are these guys? They're all posers unless I already know who they are. And I think the Black Order proved themselves beyond a shadow of a doubt. Like, even though they're new characters, like, I did not think they were posers. So that's 
basically the highest compliment I could give the Black Order. But seeing them in this context, I could see why if you if you don't think they're posers and you go, well, what did you do to the Black Order, Jeff Lemire? You just made them jobbers for Thanos. But I guess going even further back to the original thought that, like, if there are fans out there that are like, who are these Black Order dudes? Like, why should I care about them? There there may be some kind of satisfaction if, like, I, I, I don't think the Black Order are on the same level as, um, I'm trying to think of guys, but like, you know, Mr. X or who was the, the cell guy from Spider-Man? I can't even remember his name now that I hated so much. Fusion. Fusion. Like, like Fusion, I thought was a big freaking poser. And when Doc Ock came back and like bitch smacked his ass, I was like, see, he was a poser. And I think maybe for some people, maybe they didn't have the same reaction to the Black Order and Infinity that that maybe we did. They didn't they weren't as all encompassing and embracing of the Black Order. So maybe there is some sense of satisfaction in seeing those guys kind of fall apart and break apart. Though I am kind of surprised because I kind of think that those characters are going to be in the movies. So I'm kind of surprised that they did dispatch them if not for anything yeah. other than corporate synergy. But you know, I'm not going to say it didn't occur to me while I was reading this, but I could see I could see a different angle to it is all. Prior to this, the Black Order appeared in that Unworthy Thor miniseries. And, you know, in case you haven't read that, like, that's the miniseries where Thor Odinson is trying to get the hammer of the ultimate Thor. And the main antagonist of that is Thanos. Like, Thanos wants that hammer, so... Unworthy Thor is fighting Thanos, and the Black Order is there too, and they're kind of fighting Unworthy Thor and Beta Ray Bill for that. And they they were not chumps or pushovers in that. Like they were they were still pretty much loyal to Thanos in that series. Yeah, and like I, I guess like I, when we talked about Infinity, I think we kind of criticized like where were these guys like for all these years? Where you know like they're so devoted to Thanos that we've never heard of them before, and Thanos has this entire like you know, space empire armada somewhere with these guys running it for him. Like, so I guess, you know, there, there's an element that these guys kind of did come out of nowhere. I don't know. Like, I, I feel like, yeah, like I, I said, Corvus Glaive and those guys were at least uh, him, especially like was established as like fanatically loyal to Thanos, like, you know, and willing to do whatever, you know, willing to, uh, well, you know, he, he says, like, you know, his greatest reward would be death, basically. But until someone kills him, he's going to serve Thanos. But I don't know. It, it just didn't seem like he was it, cast properly in this. It seemed like a, a major character shift. Yeah. I, I, think, um, I think it comes down to that whole, like, this is like a Batman family thing. And it's like, I'm sure there's a contingent of fans that would rather see Batman operate solo. And I'm sure there's that contingent of fans that reads like, you know, Rebirth Detective Comics. And is well, yeah, like, I was about to say, this is this is Thanos coming back to power. So they, they the writer didn't want him to need anybody. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I think there was a conscious decision to kind of like clear the 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 family as you know it's like we you know we don't need the thanos family in this series about thanos and like i can see why that could be a turnoff especially if you've embraced the black order and you're kind of like well what's up with that like i i thought these guys you know were like you were saying devoutly loyal to thanos and why would they 
do all this stuff. But then again, you know, you know what's interesting about it is like characters like say, you know, Calavac and Gassad and and Steppenwolf and all these guys are devoutly loyal. They're devoutly loyal to Darkseid, but then when Darkseid dies any number of times that he dies, then those guys are all at each other's throats. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there is that aspect of when you know when when the you know the cats away the whatever it is when the mice whatever. So, you know, well, I mean, when, I mean, I mean Cor- away, Corvus, the other guys will play. So Corvus you know. does say that he thought Thanos was gone. Yeah, he abandoned yeah. his position. I think they did a good job of making Thane enough of a badass with the Phoenix Force and everything to be a, a, a rival to Thanos, to where he could put the smackdown on him enough to give him trouble and make his life hell. I think that's one of the reasons why you wanted to bring up at the end. Thanos even tells fucking death. Go fuck yourself. I, I got this. You know, the, I guess since you're talking about death, I might as well bring this up now. But is this the first time deaths look the way she has in this series? Does anybody know? Like, I I, me, I it, think so. Okay. Yeah, they, yeah, she's was, like was, smokes and shit. Yeah, yeah. I was like, that's looking sexy in this yeah. series. Like, <laughs> well, you I, know. I was trying to wonder if it was like. Maybe that was, you know, Thane's version of death as opposed to Thanos's version of death. You know, I was trying to like reconcile it in my head, but I mean, she definitely looked different in appearance than I was ever used to her looking. Like it was almost like she looked kind of like I don't know Raven from the Teen Titans, but you know, with less clothes or whatever. You know, like and I was just kind of like, huh, well that's, you know, for me I was like that's new. Like I mean that's fine if that's you know she's got a redesign or whatever, but like. I just kind of, you know, th- that part of it was a little different. I think, I think for me, like, I guess I kind of got into Thane up until they did the, you know, rival fusion role reversal thing, because up until that point, you thought he was kind of, kind of cool, yeah. Well, I, I don't know if he was cool, but at least no, I, I mean, like, 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 I, like a cool guy. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm taking out Thanos for a good reason. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of bought his story, his narrative, which was like, oh, you know, we're, we're, we're going to do this to stop my father, and I was kind of like, well, okay, that's fine. I mean, I thought the, the, the scene with him and and champion in the prison cell like i thought that was kind of cool. that that, that was really cool that was really good i like that where yeah. they're sharing a chocolate bar or whatever but then it seems like all that kind of became undone once he you know went full-on phoenix and you could either blame it on the phoenix or whatever but i mean you know it seems like even after the the sisters expunged him of the phoenix he he, he did become that anakin mcwiney bitch of like don't kill me father you know and that kind of thing and then you're just kind of like oh well like you, any respect or endearment you might have had to the character, like I, I think you lost, like you know, five or six issues ago. You know, like well, when well, he that, turned on his allies. You know, well, that, that's why I, I chose a champion for my avatar tonight because uh, champion doesn't do really a whole lot of shit in this fucking like twelve issues, honestly. Um, he doesn't get to fight. He he gets kicked in the nuts by you know. Nebula. He does get to he does get to hit that, which is nice. One thing that like kind of annoyed me was is Champion is arrogant and as like boisterous and just full of himself as he is. He made friends with Thane, and Thane just like totally turns on him, like in like the worst way. It's like Nebula and Star Fox. I could see him not really 
caring about because uh, like when Star Fox meets them, like Star Fox says they never actually met in person. And like Nebula is just a hired hand, but like he actually had like a little bit of background with Slatterus. And I was like, dude, man, it's like I know you're under the uh lull of Mistress Death and stuff, but like it seemed like Champion was a character they just wanted to bring in because he was cosmic. I guess they didn't want I guess they didn't want Star Fox to bang Nebula, which would have made a lot more sense. <laughs> has uh Nebula like when did Neb oh I guess my question should be when did Nebula like kind of make the transition to look like her like you know to synergize with I, her I, on actually, I agree character. with that Mike yeah what when did that happen I I'm used to her having like long hair and shit like that yeah You you read it it happened here Oh okay. is this it Yeah <laughs> okay yeah You read it here true believer <laughs> I I'm really I I'm you know what I I'm really happy Star Fox doesn't have weird glowy shit or like Tron armor. He was in his classic duds. Way to well, go, artist. I, I guess that's only by the grace of him not having appeared in a movie yet, I suppose. Oh, I was going to ask you this, because I uh, asked all of you guys this, uh, especially Justin, because I know we, we've had uh, oddly, like, interesting takes on this. Like, do you like classic Thanos, or do you like kind of more armored-up Thanos? Like, I know it's, like, stupid thing to ask, but, like, in in this series, he doesn't look as armored up as like I guess like Marvel now or whatever. But uh, like I, I I never like big armor Thanos. I like him more in like you know classic duds. Yeah, I think I prefer like the classic look. You know, I this is like an updated version of his costume, but it's like you can tell he's not wearing just gloves. They're actually like metal gauntlets, and you know, it's, like the. I was just gonna say they say that this was based on his video game design and yeah. Contest of Champions. So I'm sure there is that video game aesthetic to it as well. I get it because when I'm when I'm reading all those, you know, recent Jim Starlin graphic novels that are essentially continuations of, you know, the, the Soul Gem saga and the Infinity, you know, Gauntlet, War, Crusade stuff, it's like you you've got like basically what you're talking about it's not not only is the visual classic thanos but it's written by jim starlin so the 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 words coming out of his mouth are are classic as well you know so you're like kind of going oh like i you know this guy feels like the thanos i'm used to you know whereas so so sometimes you you know like i I think the problem i always had which i kind of gave up on a long time ago and i probably mentioned this when we were discussing infinity like I liked Infinity, I liked Hickman's take on Thanos, but it was a take where it returned him to his classic villainous roots. And this, I think, is, while, you know, he is the protagonist of the series, it's still coming off of Infinity, where, you know, he is considered, you know, a villain to to the majority of the Marvel Universe at large, whereas, you know, I always kind of, sat there and, and think about and they you know they bring it up in some of Starlin's later graphic novels where you know he discusses all the versions of home or places he's considered home and one of them is like a farm in you know such and such planet and all I can think of is the end of Infinity Gauntlet where he's like you know three three failures are enough even for me I'm just gonna sit here and be a a peaceful farmer and 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 you know grow corn and shit and not try to 
take over the universe anymore. And of course, that does not last because comics are cyclical, and you know, eventually he's got to go back to you know finding cosmic cubes and soul gems and all this other horse shit. But I was at an impressionable enough age when I read Infinity Gauntlet that I took his words very seriously. Like I was like, oh, he's done. Like he, he he's like he. he the Avengers and whoever kicked his ass three times, like he's he's through with this life. And and when whenever <laughs> he Sandman that shit for like twenty years, yeah. <laughs> well, but but I mean, even when he showed up in the Infinity Watch, it was not to take over the universe. It was usually actually to help like Warlock and some of those guys, even though they didn't get along with them. So even in that context, I, I never felt like he violated his like I'm I'm not going to try to you know take over the universe anymore rule. But then, of course, once you start getting into, like I was saying, people like Mark Wade writing them in Kazar, people like Dan Jurgens writing them in Thor, and and you you know basically it's this character that's owned by the company and is not written by you know one author, then then you run into that scenario where oh well you you either have to reconcile it and everybody wants to use him as the big bad, and thus that sort of negates the whole. You know, all right, three failures is enough even for me, because apparently it's not, because apparently, like, 17 failures is enough for him at this point. You know what <laughs> I mean? And you're just like, oh, well, that, that didn't mean shit. But but I I still kind of hold that to be a, a truism, and, and, and so, like, sometimes I feel like whenever it violates that, I, I guess it's probably the same way Justin might feel about, you know, the 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 version of Magneto that, you know, was headmaster of the new mutants like you get, got used to a certain sense of the character and then if you've got somebody like morrison which people lost their minds over where you know magneto was just like all right that was all a facade like i'm really just a bad person i'm really just a terrorist who was abused by people and now i'm gonna shovel the same abuse i faced onto humanity because I, I, like I was zorn the whole time <laughs> yeah and, and and some people reacted very negatively to that you know and, and i can understand why you know because because you you sort of have this this image in your head of how the arc progressed and you're like wait it just rubber banded back and you're like ow you know the rubber band hit me and it's like i wasn't i wasn't expecting it to do that you know so so i i do get it i will say this uh, i know there's like you know more to come and the the 13th, the 13th issue is going to be interesting to see how it goes. I, I really like it because it has a character who is a character who I liked in another series, but he's not the same character. You know what I'm talking about, Derek. Yeah, yeah. But um, Well, I, I think Justin wanted to ask me about that anyway, so we can, I mean, um, by, by this point, like, the, the, that arc may very well be over by the time this podcast gets released, so it's fine. We can talk about that there's a, you know, some kind of, Guardians of the Galaxy Ghost Rider in it or whatever, but that's I, I think that's fine. I mean, I was going to ask you guys before we delve into that. Like, I know one of the attractions for reading this, besides Jeff Lemire for Justin, was the Mike Diodato Jr. art, and that sort of ends well, except for some covers after issue six. So I, I was just wondering, like, was the transition from Mike Diodato to this guy Herman Peralta. Like, was that a was that a rude awakening? Are you were you guys still into it? Because I I know Mike's avatar, of course, is of Peralta's art, where Thanos is all you know has the sads and is eating the mugrat flesh and all that kind of good stuff. So I mean, is that something that you guys were 
were still into even after the transition, or was there any sense of disappointment with the change? Um, I, I will say because mine is probably gonna be the quickest. Uh, Diodato's artwork is fucking amazing, uh, especially like his ships and cosmic stuff. Like, my god, it's like so detailed and so well done. But the transition really was rather smooth. It was a little bit cleaner than Diodato's work. He was really fond of giving like beard stubble to like Star Fox and stuff, and that that's totally cool. I had no problem with it. But um, like the slightly cleaner style and a slight transition of style, it really didn't bother me. Like everything looked kind of the same, so I, I was I was cool with it. Yeah, I liked both artists. Like, I mean, I like Mike Diodato Jr. And, like, I think sometimes he can look off depending on the inker or the colorist. But, like, I think he was definitely on air. So whoever they paired him with, like, it definitely worked for him. I was a little sad to see him go after six issues. But, you know, like, I think I think after that issue seven with the new artist, like, I, I think I think it took me an issue to get used to that. I mean, it's not a huge change, but it's a little shift. But after that, I was fine with the the other artist yeah i mean i i i know i was kind of you know i always have that gut reaction where i'm like oh wait they're changing stuff up but i i think i got used to the you know art and i i think it speaks at least well to the fact that he diodato did his six issue run for a trade and and you know the peralta artist did his you know six issue run for a trade so i'm kind of like okay that's fine you know like i I, I forget who did the art on 13, but I, I remember that kind of maybe wasn't as much to my liking as these two guys, but that's, I guess, neither here nor there. I mean, it, it seems like they're just setting up some kind of kind of maestro version of Thanos or whatever in that. I, yeah, like, he, he is really chunky. <laughs> well, yeah, he's, I, got, he's, he's got like the little beard and everything when he's talking to himself and stuff, so. I, I like I will say like the first twelve issues didn't leave a like huge impression on me, but that issue thirteen I thought was like the first thing I was like, Oh okay, this seems pretty interesting. Like I yeah, thought, me too, Mike. <laughs> yeah, like I, I thought like the cosmic ghost rider was really funny and yeah, when and when I got to the last page it with, you know, Maestro Thanos or whatever, I was like, Oh cool. Like so you know, yeah, that's pretty the, good. The, the, what was he called? The Black King? Something like that. I, I don't remember. I, I, I was gonna say, um, Derek, as far as in relation to artwork, all the covers for like the first like 13 issues are amazing, really good artwork. But I will say, and this may sound like a little bit, you know, lame or whatever, but the cover to issue two is, I don't know why, is really poignant. It's like Thanos on like a very lush, like green, you know, extraterrestrial like planet. And there's like a butterfly above him. And you know that's not that's not what's going to happen. He's not yep. peaceful. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a really great cover. And you know, they actually made a T-shirt of that. And I was going to buy it, I think, from uh, Midtown Comics, and it was sold out. So it it must be very uh, popular image. Yeah, yeah, because it's not Thanos at all, and you know, it's like just a precursor to him just wrecking shit. But the art is amazing on that. I just I, I love that issue two cover. That's like a great cover. Yeah, I, I, re- I really liked that issue 13. Um, I knew a new writer was going to be taking over, so I was kind of like, you know, who's this guy and what's he going to do with these toys, you know? But I really liked the setup and the Ghost Rider thing. I mean, I know about, you know, Johnny Blaze, but then, like, after 
that like i'm kind of unfamiliar with these ghost riders so i was gonna like question derek like is this the one from guardians or is this or is this a totally different one because this i, I, the I ghost think, Rider, it's, I think the, it's totally different but, yeah because yeah. he said he was he said he was like a former herald of galactus and i'm like i don't think the other one from guardians was was he no no yeah he, he was the cosmic spirit of vengeance yeah the one the one from guardians was uh an alien who whose planet Worship the Universal Church of Truth, so it's almost like he was running around like uh, you know Asbats, being like Blasphema, Defiler, like <laughs> like that kind of thing, and and like he he joins like Hollywood's like Guardians Three Thousand or whatever the hell they were calling themselves, Galactic Guardians, Galactic yeah. Guardians and stuff like so so like there's that aspect. I mean it it looks like that because he's got kind of like the 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 Lobo space hog bike and that kind of thing. But when, when he said he was a herald of Galactus, I was kind of like, well, I guess that means he could <laughs> no. be just about anybody, you know, like, yeah. I mean, I, I was kind of like, I, you know, I, I don't know if he, I mean, it's so far in the future, like who knows, they could play it off as like, you know, freaking Ryan Reynolds became the herald of Galactus. Yeah. And they, well, they also say he's insane. And like the Galactic Guardians one was a zealot, but he wasn't like crazy. But yeah, no, I, I really like that issue 13. That actually got me on board more because I don't think, again, it, 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 that, that is something I was wanting out of this series is a building of Galactus because apparently future, not Galactus, Jesus Christ, you got me stuck on him, Thanos, because uh, apparently future Thanos is a little bit more even keeled because like one of his first words is like, you know, like, oh, he is a little bit, you know, angry, a little bit full of rage. And, like, you don't see him. And Thanos is like, you know, our Thanos, quote unquote, is like, you know, I will kill you for this mockery that you made of me, Ghost Rider. And then you see this nice, you know, huge image of uh, future Thanos on his throne. Like you said, Maestro Thanos with a beard is like, I've already I've only brought you here because I just want to tell you. I've already won, or you've already won. You know that's that's the that's the arc we're in now. Thanos wins. No idea where it's going to go, but that's really interesting. I like that idea. Ghost Riders are the craziest peoples. <laughs> I like the design though, and that is, that is not like Galactic Guardians uh, design, Justin. That that is a the the weird Tesla sphere wheel, <laughs> just like on his bike. I'm like, that's fucking crazy. It's like. I don't. I, I will. I will say this. Uh, when I started reading this, there were ups and downs. I really liked the idea of the the trio. I, I've always had a fondness for Champion because he was in a Marvel two and one with Thing back in the day, where he was beating the crap out of everybody and Thing. You know, I, we've talked about that issue before, and I've always liked that character. Nebula, hit or miss. Don't hate her. Have no problem with her. She was good in this series. I will say she was a really good character in this. Star Fox is one of those guys who I always forget about, but whenever he shows up, I miss him. I'm like, oh, I like Star Fox. He's a cool fucking character. So I want to see those three get out of this and, like, you know, do something hopefully in the future. Um, you know, with Thanos, it was all about him in, a, in like, his own way. He, he was the MacGuffin, but he was also linchpin to move this story forward. Without him, you don't give a shit about Thane. And if he doesn't beat Thane, we just have a lame Thanos wannabe. You want Thanos. You don't want Thane. So, like, 
as much as like I sound like I don't like this twelve issue art, it's it's not bad. It's it's an easy read. It's a fun read. What Justin, did you read those Starlin Infinity graphic novels? Yes. So I, I'm just curious, like maybe we can have a discussion about this too. But like, what? Do you, how do you think they? I guess the best way to put it is: Do you agree with me that those seem to be sort of independent of current Marvel continuity? Yeah. Like they kind of just do their own thing, but it, but it's very much that they feel like a classic continuation of Jim Starlin's Thanos. Yeah, I I don't know how you would reconcile some of the events in those graphic novels with some of the stuff that's currently going on you'd have to like you know kurt busick avengers forever some of oh, that yeah, shit yeah, i yeah. think because you're the, the way those like the infinity finale ends he's in death's loving embrace whereas the way this 12 issue yeah. arc ends he's like later for you death you've been leading me around you know teasing me all these years and i'm not followed for that shit no more i i read something that starlin's actually gonna do another uh like adam warlock thanos graphic novel here soon so it's like the infinity finale finale yeah all right so i I think that wraps things up for tonight if you have any comments questions and or concerns you can of course reach us at banholespodcast.blogspot.com uh, we have our wonderful backlog of episodes of comics, motherfucker. Do you read them on the fanholespodcast.blogspot.com? We can be found on iTunes and can be streamed on Stitcher Radio. We're on all kinds of social media. We appreciate all the likes, feedbacks, hearts, retweets, shares, etc. that we receive. We're on Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, etc., And until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, Space Hobo, signing off. Hey, it's Mike, and this podcast was dedicated to our beloved Lady Chaos. I am Phoenix. Earth, wind, water, fire, heart. With your powers combined, I'm going to kill everyone.
Lady Chaos. You've been showing a lot of skin lately. Yeah, yes. I know, right? <laughs> Lady Chaos, my love. He was a he was a ham in that show. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit. Oh, everyone knows that. Uh, well, what's it? Uh, Jim Cummings Thanos is the best Thanos, like from Superhero <laughs> Squad. Because he, he sounds like uh, a <laughs> goofy dog villain or whatever. What's his name? Pete. Pete. Yeah, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> See now, now I just imagine like Pete wearing like Thanos's like getup and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I will crush Goofy once and for all. It's like I will I will have the infinity gauntlet and the infinity sword. I'll be invincible. Time's infinity. <laughs> Are you talking like the the Pete from Mickey Mouse? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, oh. the same the same voice actor who who yeah. does Pete from Mickey Mouse does Thanos and Superhero Squad. Yeah. One of the things that went, like someone called when we were a kid was like, you know, like I'm the Beyonder with the Infinity Gauntlet, and we're like, it's too much. <laughs> Stop it. It's kind of redundant, almost. Yeah, I am the Beyonder with the Infinity Gauntlet, and also the Nega Bands, and also Silver Surfer Surfboard. And my bones are made of adamantium, the strongest <laughs> metal known. I feel like I feel like that's the extension of like the Wizard World superhero showdown boards where it's like, oh yeah, well guess what? I'm Superman Prime in gold coating in the center of the sun with no vulnerability to kryptonite to fuck your shit up, you stupid dumbass with your infinity gauntlet and your the, yonder powers. These were actual posts written by Derek twelve years ago. <laughs> 